Well, throughout this message series titled Far-Flung Faith, we've learned about what I refer to as this process of faith. This process begins as we must first extend faith, whether it be a, taking a literal or figurative step, not knowing with our own certainty or understanding what lies ahead. The scripture, remember, from this first message in the series was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and it told us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. In the next part of this process, um, it was revealed as, you know, we, as we extend faith in each and every area of our lives, and God responded. We took a step, and God responded. The scripture, remember, from the second message in the series was from Romans 12.2, and it read, Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you, and you'll be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. And this has been the underlying premise of our Sunday morning Bible studies as we continue to work through this book titled Just Enough Light for the Step I'm On by Stormy O. Martian. Last week we talked about how to reply to God's response, not only by increasing our faith, but also by taking additional steps of faith, both further and in new areas of our life. And it would be correct to describe this is, it would be incorrect to describe this as an end of the process because it's not once and done. Because like any cycle, there's no end. It just renews. It just continues. We extend faith and God responds. We extend additional faith and our faith a little further and God responds. And this continues as long as we continue to do our part. And God has always promised to do his. And his response may look like a number of different things. It may be an answered prayer. It may be an unanswered prayer maybe a provision or a blessing. In all cases, Scripture promises that God will respond for the good of those who follow him. And this process continues as we seek to be more and more perfect in our faith, as we seek to reach full spiritual maturity. As Christians, we are called to share the good news of God's love for us and the joy of our salvation. And last week's Scripture, remember from Proverbs 25, remembered reminded us that the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And as we pondered this first, we talked about the importance of our passion and that a passion with purpose, such as the calling we share as Christians, is a powerful blessing and a powerful tool. And I want to encourage you to revisit these messages on the podcast so that you may always have a scripture or a quote ready for whichever step you find yourself on at any given time. And this week, as we conclude this message series, we're going to look at the power behind the good, purpose-driven passion as we make an impact in the world around us. This morning's scripture, remember, from Paul's letter in Romans 1.16, expresses this concept well. It reads, It's news I'm most proud to proclaim, this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with the Jews and then right on to everyone else. So I want to start by unpacking this verse a little bit. He says that he is most proud to, to proclaim. He's proud to proclaim. Remember that we aren't supposed to have pride, at least not in the biblical use of the word pride, because that word means a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements or the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated with or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Where the sin aspect comes from, is when we use it to mean taking pride in our own achievements, when they're actually God's achievements. Or when we claim righteousness, 
which is wrong because we cannot be made self-righteous. We are only made righteous through our Savior, Jesus Christ. With this definition in mind, we can see Paul uses the word pride correctly. He is taking a deep pleasure and satisfaction in the achievement of the one with whom he is closely associated with and whom he admires. He says that he is most proud to proclaim. And what is it that he's proclaiming? This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan. And that plan is to rescue everyone who trusts him. You know, imagine the first responder who makes first contact with the victim of a disaster. And their words may be, you've been found. You have nothing to fear. You are safe. There's a plan to rescue you. Help is on its way. That's Paul's message to the early followers of Christ in Rome. No wonder he took pride in delivering that message. He got to say those words with confidence. And look at the last sentence. It says, starting with the Jews and then right on to everyone else. God's powerful plan is to rescue everyone who trusts him. One, and then right on to the next one. There will be no one left behind that didn't want to be rescued. This message captured in this letter uh, was made part of God's letter to us for a purpose. 2 Timothy 3.16 reminds us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. These passion-filled words of good news apply to us still today. God sees you wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you've gone through, and whatever may lie ahead. And he says, take peace. Have comfort. You have been found. You have nothing to fear. You are safe. There is a plan to rescue you, to rescue you, and help is on its way. I'd given subtitles to each piece of this message series. I will refer to how we will extend faith. I will do this. The second one was God will, referring to how God will respond. I will do this, and God will do that. And last week was What Floats Your Boat, a little play on words since we know that it refers to what brings us joy, and, well, we live on a lake. And this week's subtitle is Be a Disruptor. And I decided not to put it on the roadside message board because I didn't want to give the impression that we're teaching anarchy or promoting anti-government activities here. you know. But I believe that it's a good title for what we are called to do with this knowledge and joy we have come to understand about the process of faith. This message echoes a scripture from Romans 12.2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then implying that through your influence on the world around you, both directly and indirectly. I have a quick sample, example, a quick story. My younger brother is an ATF agent. Along his career path to this position, he worked for the Division of Youth Services for the state of Missouri. And as such, he had a company car. And this company car was a retired police car. <laughs> it was a nice, big, crown Victoria with government plates and a nice spotlight on the driver's window. And if you saw this car on the road, especially if you were speeding and something came upon it, what would you think? Undercover police, right? It's an unmarked police car. At that time, I don't think my brother had any aspirations of law enforcement. He liked the job he had working with troubled youth. However, he was convinced that everyone in town drove a full five miles per hour under the speed limit. Wherever he went, he was in this perpetual swarm of slow drivers that just kind of boxed him in, an unintended consequence of the car he was in, an influence on those around him. <laughs> we live in a world that's full of sin and temptation. This world's also full of amazing beauty and wonders. Sometimes it seems like the world and everyone in it is relatively joyful and positive and caring and kind, and we call that Christmas, right? Or maybe the few days following the World Series or the Stanley Cup, right? 
And I say that jokingly, but there's some truth to how seemingly easily affected society can be by the abnormal or by the normal ebbs and flows of life. We have good days and we have bad. Did anyone else get more than a little tired of all that snow, right? And then kind of down because of all the clouds and rain and was seemingly endless. But occasionally there was this random day of nice weather sprinkled throughout and that brought smiles and a general sense of well-being, didn't it? I see the nodding heads and I know what you're talking about. But the good news of our salvation remains unchanged. You are loved and cared for and blessed by an unchanging God. More than once in the book of Hebrews, both God and Jesus are described as unchanging. And I don't mean unwavering changing. I mean truly unchanging. They're the same that describes yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And isn't there comfort in knowing that? That you're not aiming for a moving target, or the rules are changing, or the example is changing. We have an unchanging God. When I say be a disruptor, I'm not suggesting you storm City Hall. I'm telling you that you need to use your transforming power of the Spirit. Remember the peace and joy. And remember, joy isn't always happiness. Joy is, is deeper seated than just happiness. But use that and disrupt the droning cycle of superficial joys of the world. Let your highs be true highs based on substantial joy, not based on something ever-changing or subject to the whims of mankind. And let it show. Baffle people with your positive spirit in the light of un, un, you know, un bad, uh, bad things. You know, we talked about this morning with with Lynn and her diagnosis, and here she is talking about a sense of peace. I mean, it broke your heart to hear it, didn't it, Heather? But wasn't there something that says, wow, I mean, she has peace. I mean, if, she, if it was genuine peace, you could sense it. You could sense it. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that example. She's disrupting this thought that when life is tough, it's awful. A tough life, a hard life, and a bad life are not necessarily the same things. We're called to be examples of the stand against the world. In Titus 2, 7-8, it instructs us in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So those who oppose you may, may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. You can't say anything about Lynn for having a positive spirit in the face of her diagnosis. You can't. Because she's showing integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech. And you can't condemn that kind of deep-seated faith. Now the slide on the screen shows a series of gears with a wrench wedged in them. Presumably stopping the machine. Friends, throw your faith in the worldly machine and disrupt the cycle by finding joy in all situations. By giving thanks for all things and by finding hope in all circumstances. Rest confidently in the hope and in the promise found in Philippians 1.6, where it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, continue the cycle of faith. Extend, receive, extend, receive, extend, receive. And along the way, passionately share your story and your purpose. Take joy in the process and influence the world around you with the example of faithfulness, peace, and love that you find. Let's pray. Father God, we live in a world of empathy. If something good happens, we all rally. When something bad happens, we all feel despair. And God, sometimes these are real 
things. These are deep things. These are major victories and major crises. But sometimes it's just small stuff. God, you call us to be a disruptor. You call us to, in the face of all of this adversity, of all this difficulty, of all these hard times, to shine as an example of faith. This faith we've been talking about, a faith we put out there that you respond to and we repeat this process. God, whether it's an illness or, or something else, if it's a, a depression or a fear or an anxiety, to stand up to that as we sang in the song earlier, to stand up and in faith have full confidence and hope in you. And God, that's tough. It's tough. And the world may wonder what in the world are we thinking when we have this bad news, but we're smiling with the joy from our heart. But we have real examples in our own families and in our own congregation that say, God, when you're fully trusting in you, there is nothing to fear. There is an overwhelming sense of peace and joy that surpasses all understanding. And no one can question or condemn that. All we can do is envy it and want it for ourselves. So God, help us. Help us to find that deep level of faith. And that comes from growing and doing and stretching. So along the way, my risky prayer for us this morning is that we continue to grow in our faith. That you continue to stretch us. That you continue to ask us to put ourselves out there. And then you will smile with great joy and satisfaction as you see us grow and become more mature. So that someday when we're united with you for an eternity, we are fully mature in our spiritual lives. Fully understanding and knowing the joy of having a Savior. God, I lift up this service to you. I pray for the empty places in the pews this week that you fill with people hungry for your word. And God, as we take a moment to celebrate Holy Communion, that have even more of a special meaning this week as we celebrate and honor our faith. Amen. Now, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples around the table. And he had taken a loaf of bread and he said, this loaf is my body, broken for you. And like anything else, in order to be consumed, in order to be enjoyed, in order to be used, it had to be broken. You had to, he had to break it or you have to bite into it. And likewise, he gave thanks and he prayed and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. This blood is the new covenant. This new covenant is what we celebrate as Christians. It says, God loves you. As long as you repent, as long as you can come forth and, and confess your sins and ask for forgiveness and try again, try again, this covenant remains in place that God will continue to love and forgive. All you have to do is say, I'm sorry, and try again. And this cycle, the cycle of, of continual or ongoing Sin, they're, they're tough, whether it's an addiction or a fear or an anxiety, it's tough. And it's hard to break, but it'll never be broken if you ever give up. God says, I will never give up on you. Do your part. Enjoy the covenant. Do your part. And God will meet you there. Let's pray.
Father God, as we pause in this service to have a moment of communion, not only to symbolize and reenact the most important moments of the Last Supper, but to also pause in our lives, to set things apart, to set them aside, so we can quietly meet with you here in this place. As we go through the motions of the symbols of taking the body of Christ and dip it in the blood of Christ and seal the new covenant, they have so much meaning to us. But it helps us remember it's not just about this activity on this Sunday morning. It's about making that kind of choice every day in our lives. God, we ask for your forgiveness of where we've fallen short. God, and we all do it all the time. God, give us the perseverance and the strength to continue to ask for forgiveness, to try again, to try harder, to be more and more like you. God, thank you for the gift of grace that gaps this distance between what you've called us to do and what you've called us to be and where we are right now. God, we thank you for this moment. And may it always have meaning to us.